Everybody ready? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Word. Hello, friends. Welcome to Brainworms, the podcast that's like your four hot dads reading you a bedtime story. That's not what this is like at all. I hope not. That's <laughs> <laughs> just a weird place to go. I immediately take a, a little like this. This makes me uncomfortable because like I'm I'm not like at daddy age territory. So for someone to be calling me that, like that would make them like pretty young, and I'm not that old. Like I'm I'm uncomfortable. Right? No, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, mark it down. I've got one. <laughs> Put it in the history books. Mm. Someone make a documentary. The time Chris got one. God, I just fuck. figured what? you were trying to like one up three men and a baby. That's a not at all dated reference to a yeah. Tom Selleck film. <laughs> do people mm. remember Tom Selleck? I remember oh, Tom oh, Selleck, I yeah. Do. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. You're my voice of the youth, Chris. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like to watch Magnum P.I. before school when I was younger. Chris is our Gen Z representative. What? How do? What are the generations? Whatever. They don't matter. Yeah, they, they really don't. They're kind of made up at this point. Unless they give us patron money, then they super matter. What? What? Can I start the podcast? Or we, do are, we, we have started. This is. Do it. you want to drag us off course some more with your nonsense? Look, unless you guys get me a muzzle, this is just going to keep happening. Like a wild ram, he will not be contained. Exactly, which leads us in. Well, before we do any of that, I should point out that I'm Joe. I'm David. I'm Kane. And I'm Chris. And uh, yeah, today we're reading Wild Animus by Rich Shapiro, who, is a, as far as my research, has been able to determine a venture capitalist who made a bunch of money during the tech boom who just decided he wanted to publish some books. Is this the AI guy? No, no, this isn't that guy. <laughs> Is this Dan Brown? Hilariously also no. Hmm. This is a different person. Uh, here's some quick life advice for our listeners out there. Yeah. Don't trust anyone whose first name is a shortened version of an actual name. Like Rich, Richard, you know, don't don't trust people. I I I need to keep an eye on my my nephew. Said Chris. Hey, Kane, uh, room for two in the incinerator? <laughs> yes. There's always room for more in the incinerator, Chris. You fucking dingus. Even if we have to squeeze in there, you only have to squeeze in there for the first 30 seconds or so. That's fine. We have your genetic material on file. We can always make another one. Maybe get it right this time. Don't trust them, Chris. The version <laughs> that they make is not going to be the version that you are. <laughs> Yeah, but he won't know And that. I've done some tinkering with the machinery, so who knows what monstrosity would come out. Oh, God. Oh, God. That's not great. I'm assuming it would be like Jeff Goldblum from The Fly, but instead of it being a fly, it would just be me in the, the chamber with him. Just Candle Chris? Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be a monster that gets like the most furious hatred at the most random things. But you might get to make out with Gina Davis, and that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, God. R- Rich Shapiro. <laughs> but yeah, he, he was interviewed. I, I dug up an old interview where someone asked him basically some where he said, you know, something like, where do you get your ideas? That kind of thing. 
And he says, some people like to write because they enjoy putting their thoughts down. They enjoy the act of self-expression, the way a child likes to finger paint. You know, it just feels good. It feels good to me too, but I don't think it's worth doing unless something important is being expressed. And someone in the interview asked him, and you finally found that? To which he replied, no, I just got tired of waiting. <laughs> oh, good. So, yeah. That spells great things ahead <laughs> for this book. I can't tell if that was clever or like severely stupid much like this podcast <laughs> shots fired <sighs> you know i i did a little bit of uh while we were getting ready to go here i did a little bit of reading myself on this one which i don't normally do but i turned up this interesting article and uh regarding this book that uh apparently this one thing that's interesting about this book is no matter where you go in the world, if you walk into a thrift store, mm -hmm. you will find a copy of this book. It, you know, thrift stores like like Discworld established L space for libraries. There's got to be like the same sort of thing, but for thrift stores. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But uh, I thought this was interesting. Some lines pulled from several different Goodreads reviews. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm here for it. Go for it. Good. Someone handed me a free copy of this book. They were giving away tons. I'm not special. As I was walking on the quad of the college I attend. At the LA Book Festival ten years or so ago, the author was giving out free copies of this book. He had hundreds of them. I got one. Got mine in Chicago outside the Art Institute. They had boxes of them. Ah, I'm starting to, mm -hmm. to get the picture here. Yeah. Like most reviewers, I ended up running across this as a freebie in Vancouver on my college campus. It would disappear from the dorm every few days and then reappear in the laundry room. So I finally decided to read it. <laughs> yeah, apparently this person just out of pocket paid for a zillion copies of this book to be printed and then just handed out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've got a... A vanity project is what you're oh, saying. Oh, yeah. Oh. That Ooh. sounds exciting. I'm yeah. really glad that this is what we're doing with our lives. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a quick preview. Apparently, Wild Animus is a novel about an acid head in the 60s who believes he's a half-man, half-ram shaman. So... Wow. <sighs> like a bad version of... What was that movie with, with the guy? You know, who... Lord of the Rings. <laughs> no, no, no. What, what was that movie about drugs and like, and they were giving these animals booze? Like, what was that movie? Oh, Fear and Loathing in Las Fear Vegas. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I need to right. see that. It's a good movie. You should watch it. it. You've yeah. never seen that? No. It's a very good movie. It is a good movie. You should also read like Hunter Thompson's work. You yes. should, yeah. Wait, was he the guy that did Fight Club? No, that's, no. that's Chuck Palahniuk. I'm terrible with author names. You're okay. You're, you're, you're fine. This is the Judgment Free Zone. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Wait, wait, when did that happen? <laughs> and why, why wasn't I told? I have to reconsider my entire take on this podcast. <laughs> I have to reconsider whether or not to come out of the furnace. Like, I, I... Uh, Yeah, so we're going to go on that fun journey. But uh, before we do any of that, I should remind you that uh, we do have a website. We give you brainworms.com where you can find our other things we do and you can find our patreon where you can 
support us monetarily. We are not going to use that to further our understanding of cloning technology. No. We might use it to buy drugs, though. We're definitely going to use it to buy drugs. We're Mm -hmm. not going to figure out how to make more of me to unleash upon humanity. No. Although I have been noticing weird transactions out of the Patreon account to a uh, a cockfighting ring. Come again? What? Uh, Cockfighting ring. And and Uh, what's this about a cock ring? (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like one of you is doing that, and it's not okay to use our generous donations to bet on chicken fights or to buy cock rings. Whatever. Uh, I would like to say that I am not morally culpable because I don't have any free will. You would like to say that. Yeah, I, I feel like aside from having to to read these books every Friday, you have nothing but free will. I mean, I mean you're, you're free to believe, like the rest of us, that you have free will. You can choose a ready guide from some celestial voice. <laughs> I was just if I thinking about making that joke. not to decide... You still have I made still a have made a choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Well, whatever. You guys ever meet people who like the epoch of their intellectual exploration was like liking Rush a lot? I have known people like that before. Yeah. And they've never moved beyond that. Rush is variety. <laughs> Those are the same people that think that Tool is the end all be all of music. Yup. And, you know, I like both of those bands. I really Mm do. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big fan of both Rush and Tool and Genesis. Right. I like Genesis during the Peter Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. When they were really sort of proggy. Yep. Yeah. But it's not the most fascinating and most interesting music ever. I'll be honest, I was a big Tool fan for a very long time, and I've not even bothered to listen to their most recent album. Yeah, yeah, I, I got bored of tool probably like after high school i probably should listen to their most recent album because i've enjoyed them i liked it and i still enjoy them i still i've sure, listened yeah. to their older albums recently since the new one came out mm. i just haven't listened to the new one <laughs> right it's pretty good right on i'll have to give that a, a spin later today probably what do you think of the new tool album answer in the comments all right, well, is there anything else we want to talk about, or should we get into... Let's talk about this book. Wild Kingdom or whatever the fuck. Oh, boy. I, I am so free. excited. <laughs> Psychedelic hippie were-ram sounds, <laughs> sounds great. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know, but I'm, I'm skipping the prologue here. We're going right into chapter one. Yeah, let's dig in. One, a canister hit the asphalt 30 feet from Sam Altman, and white smoke coiled from its top. Waking from his reverie, he came to a halt, a six-foot statue with shoulder-length hair, oversized shirt, and burgundy bell-bottoms. So good, he's a big man. He's a big man, yay. As the smoke spread, his gray-green eyes watched the students scatter. The air was pulsing violently around him. Sam lifted his head and saw a drab helicopter hovering toward him like a giant insect. This person sure likes to describe things. Spotting him through the trees with glass eyes. The helicopter tipped its aureole and drummed over him, unknotting a scarf of white fog from its side. 
Sam turned, hearing the cries of alarm and seeing the panic behind him. Hundreds of students were racing from all directions, converging on Sather Gate, trying to leave the Berkeley campus. In the courtyard below the student union, they were racing toward the stores on Bancroft Way. On his right, they poured into Sproul Plaza, shouting and shielding their faces as they hurried past. You know, I, I feel like we read a lot of books with a lot of cold opens. Mm-hmm. Is it like more hip now to not cold open? Like it just, if it, it feels like it's every book we read, it's a cold open. You would call this a cold open? Like it's in the middle of a, I'm assuming Berkeley, yeah, Berkeley riots, you know? Like, the police are in the midst of breaking up a crowd of protesters is what's happening right here. Yeah, the, the, there's a difference between a cold open and an in-media res open. Oh, uh, okay. In-media res is what I yeah. meant. Yeah. Honestly, I kind of skipped the prologue hoping that we wouldn't have to go through that thing of, we're going to drop you into something that has no context to the rest of the book and uh, get through that. Is and then this be the one time? The prologue <laughs> gives us context. I don't know. I didn't read the prologue, so, but. <laughs> oh, well, here we are. Nip, nip, nip. Sam's eyes stung. His lids were slitting. He drew a disbelieving breath and choked on it. Tear gas. A month before, radicals had squatted on a university parking lot, laying sod and planting trees. I'll lay sod. Hmm. <laughs> When the National Guard arrived to evict the squatters from People's Park, demonstrations started. The government was retaliating. Facing forward, Sam joined the crowd leaving campus, laughing at the absurdity of his circumstance. He cared nothing for the park or the radicals, or California's belligerent governor. They were turning the university into a war zone, and somehow he'd landed in the middle of it. His eyes seared, his lips scorched, and the air was like fire in his throat as if he'd thrust his head in a furnace. The way forward blurred. He could see moving bodies, bright areas, pools of shadow. He reached his hand out. Another hand appeared, brushing his own. It hung before him like a flesh-colored bird lost in a cloud. A flesh-colored bird? <laughs> That's what he said. A flesh-colored bird lost in a cloud, which is, I guess, also ostensibly flesh-colored. Yeah, like... Flesh comes in a variety of colors. That's yeah. not really telling us anything descriptive. It's just, uh... It's meaty. Yeah. <laughs> I do like, like, meat bird. Meat bird. Just red, dripping gore bird. <laughs> just yeah, fucking I'm... flapping across the countryside. <laughs> now, from henceforth, my own personal headcanon will be when I see flesh-colored. I'm just going to think of, like, raw steak. Here nice. comes Pete. He's a meat birdie. <laughs> birdie birdie of me right. it's like the other alternative is to just engage in the casual white supremacy that is inherently there in saying something oh is yeah flesh I mean, th colored. that's the implication but, yeah yeah but using it to describe an animal is stupid <laughs> because it's because like i mean yeah there are the feathery parts but it's still gonna be flesh colored because it's made of skin it's it is in fact made of flesh <laughs> yeah but but yeah, that's what he's saying, is that the color of white people's skin is the default. Yeah. Just like Crayola did for a long time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Until fairly recently. Fairly recently. At least they did correct it, you know? So. Yeah. Then it sank. He clasped it, feeling thin fingers, soft and feminine, stiff with fear. A girl, gasping for breath. He continued forward, taking her with him. The smoke thinned. 
Through his smeared vision, Sam saw a line of soldiers standing shoulder to shoulder in the street. Their eyes were goggled beneath olive crowns, the black snouts of their gas masks protruding, long hoses coiling down. Each held a rifle with a bayonet pointed, while behind them a convoy of trucks was parked. Behind, beyond the cordon, the streets were crowded with troops and vehicles. He felt uh, his companion falter, but he held her hand tightly and hurried toward the line. Um, yeah? I wasn't alive during this time. Um, help me with this. N- none of us were alive during the 60s, if that's what you're implying. Yeah, but you guys were closer, so you might have, like... That doesn't not work really. that way. No. It's it doesn't, not how any no. of that works, Chris. We don't just absorb that shit by <laughs> osmosis. We That's have just because... as much opportunity to know things about this as you do, because <laughs> yeah, we're going no. to have to rely on history. Yeah. Yes, but you guys were alive at a time when that history was much more relevant than it was That's for when true I was alive. I'm going to make the true. argument that right now, at this exact moment in time, the history of Berkeley in 1969 in general is far more relevant than it would have been in, say, 1980. Right. Well, yeah, intellectually speaking, but yeah, I know I see so many people talking about Berkeley these days. It's all over social media. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, but back to what I was originally going to say. Yeah, what's your question? Let's see if we can answer it without throwing bricks at you. Okay, so this is the 60s, right? Yeah. So we, yeah, we established that when you were trying to throw out old jokes at us. Okay. I don't think he was. I think he just doesn't know how time and space work. Okay, so gas masks with hose and like like this this was like I'm I'm terrible with dates and I'm terrible with history. This was like Vietnam esque era, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this this was Were we still using gas masks with tubes and bayonets? That's that's like a We still are yeah. now. Yeah, we use them now. Yeah. But bayonets? Like Yeah. Yeah. Like a, no, we, none of that technology has gone away. Dude, they had bayonets in Portland. Huh. Like last summer. Yeah. Did we just break Chris? No, I just learned something. <laughs> Did it hurt? Not particularly. <laughs> Do you want it to? Do you really want to hurt me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep reading, I guess. <laughs> Yes, keep reading. As they approached the gap between two soldiers, one turned. His bayonet shifted, its blade two feet from the girl's chest. Sam jerked her behind him, facing the soldier with an angry look. At first I thought you were, it was just going to say Sam jerked her behind, and that was <laughs> That would have curious. been a weird response to that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The man mumbled an apology, turned his rifle aside, and let them pass. That's how you know it was a simpler time. Yeah. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I just nodded at my microphone again. Yeah. (laughs) It's that kind of day, dude. It is that kind of day. She cried out as they reached the sidewalk. Through his burning squint, Sam saw her vaguely. Blonde, maybe five, six, in a brown vest and a green skirt. She made a sound of gratitude and pulled her hand away. Don't write like this. Don't do it. These fucking short sentences that all have basically the same rhythm to them. Is so fucking boring to li- to read or listen to. Yeah. Don't write like that. I it's I hate it so much. Like even if what you're saying is interesting, if you're structuring your paragraphs like that, you're gonna lose the reader. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's... yeah. You've already lost me. Yeah. I'm done. 
goodbye i'm going to the furnace and like even like if you're writing an essay <laughs> even you know like yeah. varying the length of your sentences is a very good way to keep your uh, your audience engaged yeah i mean just read the shit out loud yeah yeah see how it sounds in your head don't worry about it while you're writing it in the moment but after you have it on the page read it out loud and restructure things as needed yeah that's good advice yeah i can't see she said touching her eyes we need to wash them out. Right out of your fucking head. <laughs> Sam started down the block. She followed. He wove through the crowd, coughing as he went. As he turned down a walkway, he felt her hand again, taking his. He led her around a corner into a burger joint, stumbling stumbling among the tables, nearly tipping one over. How down rude. a hall, he fumbled for the men's room door, opened it, and pulled her in with him. You know, I just want to go back to the... They were in the midst of the national guard gassing the park mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they just walked away yeah i mean i guess you can argue that they just kind of slipped away in the confusion but but they walked right past a soldier who looked yeah. at them and apologized for being in their way yeah no they would have been handcuffed yeah yeah like unless things are in fact very very different now and they may well be you know, 50 odd years later, mm -hmm. anyone in this situation now would have ended up, yes, spending the night in jail. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Period. Like, you, that is an incontrovertible thing. If someone had walked that close to an officer, that officer would have, or soldier, well, maybe the National Guard actually might be nicer than the police are. So, right. yeah. that could have something to do with it. Hands touching hands. <laughs> Reaching out, arresting you. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the police. Yeah. Sam turned on the tap and splashed water in his face. She bumped against him and did the same. The stinging subsided. He straightened and grabbed paper towels from the dispenser. He passed a wad to her, then held a handful over his eyes, hearing her muffled breath beside him. It was a fantasy from his childhood. In the bathroom with a girl and the adults didn't know. So I guess they yeah. did have to throw in a little bit of the sex. Okay, fine. Yeah, so fine. much for giving the book the benefit of the doubt. Um, is tear gas water soluble like that? Can you just wash it out of your no. eyeballs? Nope. That, didn't, no. that doesn't seem right. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. So now there's you can get some results with using baking soda and mm -hmm. water mixed. Right. Mm -hmm. That'll trap some of the poison that's in the, the tear gas. Like you'll get some of the chemicals trapped in the baking soda, and mm -hmm. that can be a relief. But even that doesn't completely fix it. Okay. Yeah, my, my understanding of tear gas is that if it was water-soluble, then you would release the tear gas. People would get the fluids coming out of their face holes, and then they'd be fine. Right. It, <laughs> that makes the sense. Idea yeah. Is the fluids keep going, and it doesn't get rid of it, so you are incapacitated by right. your inability to because your eyes just keep and, watering because yeah. they're irritated yeah. yeah what were you saying david oh i was just gonna say um i have heard folk wisdom that apparently is in there's not any real like evidence one way or the other but holding an onion under your eyes like a sliced onion under your eyes will help with flushing out the tear gas Interesting. I wonder if there's any truth to that. Yeah, I don't know. But that's one of the reasons, if you guys remember a while back, the uh, January 6th thing, um, 
the insurrection, that mm-hmm. one woman who got gassed and oh, was mocked because she was yeah. seen carrying an onion in a handkerchief. I and do people that. said that, you know, she was making it up that she never got gassed and she was making herself cry with the onion. It's possible, giving her the benefit of the doubt, that she was just using this folk wisdom that I've heard. Sure. You know, whether it worked or not, I can't say. I've never <laughs> spoken to her. I don't know that woman. I do. She's nice. Oh, yeah? Yeah, she made me an onion sandwich. <laughs> <sighs> you know, just two slices of bread and layers of onions. Gross. I'd eat that. You're gross. With like mayo? Horseradish? Oh yeah, horseradish and onion with a slice of Lindberger cheese. <laughs> no, no, just old onions that have been out for a while, so they were pretty dry. Oh good. This is a stupid conversation. It yeah, is. Moving can on. We, just... we <laughs> were almost educational for like three or four minutes. Yeah. We can cut all that out. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> No one will ever know. (laughs) He drew the towels away. Through the resolving blur, he saw blonde hair divided in the middle of her crown. A pyramid of high forehead. Cheeks bounded by sickle-shaped locks that pricked her chin. Her eyes were blue, fixed on him with the gravest stare he'd ever seen. Stop writing like this. I hate it. He waited for her to bow her head, to turn, to laugh, but she didn't flinch. What made those great gulfs of eyes? And how could she invite a stranger to fathom them? What? Truly, this is the voice of a generation. Look, man, we're not about <sighs> making sense. All yeah. right? This is right. just puking words onto the page. It really is. And again, like maybe there's a good book in here. Like this is slightly better than like the worst of the things we've read, at least so far. But it needs an editor so fucking badly. Well, some of the prose, I think, is actually fairly interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I was into the description of the helicopter as a giant insect looking at through glass eyes and all of that. Like, some of it's pretty, pretty all right. Yeah, there might be a good book in here, but it, yeah. it needs an editor badly. Well, this is what happens when you self-publish and release for free, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Sam gazed deeper, seeing the sides of rugged canyons, the dark drop-offs of a different world. A hidden joy flickered in the depths, burning amid a consuming sorrow, and as he focused on that brightness, it blazed up. Without thinking, his heart went out to her. There was no foundation here, only a desperate longing for one. Are you a part of... Sam gestured toward the bathroom door. He meant to ask whether she was a protester, but before he could rephrase the question, she shook her head. I feel like I know you, he said. Oh my god. I understand your sadness, she replied. Oh my god. Sadness? He realized the cause of her confusion and laughed. He'd made the same mistake, reading a chasm of grief into her red eyes and wet cheeks. She smiled. So do we want to take bets that uh, this whole, the Berkeley riots is not going to be mentioned ever again or have any relevance in the story? It was just a place for these people to meet. No, I don't want to take bets. No, because that's almost absolute. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They just needed a vehicle to get these two characters in the same room. It's a good way to get them together and a good way to put the story into a moment in history. Sure. Like a recognizable, without having to say, it's the summer of 1969 Mm -hmm. in Berkeley, California. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's that's a pretty decent tool. Yeah. You're a decent tool. (laughs) Here's my issue with that. Not innately. It's just that uh, if you do that, 
you are mooring yourself to a time. If... I mean, that's just telling a story. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I mean, your your story should probably exist in a time. Well, you, you're not letting me fucking finish when I started Ooh. with there's nothing wrong with this innately. <laughs> Calm snap. down, Chris. It's all good, man. We're all <laughs> friends here, buddy. We're all <laughs> friends here. <laughs> Calm down, Chris. Blow my microphone a little bit there. So it's okay. So since you're mooring yourself, calm down. Chris, calm down. It's fine. Chris, buddy, it's okay, man. We're all friends here. You don't have to get no. It's okay. We're all friends here, buddy. Hey, hey, we love you. No, we love you. No, we love you. Okay, it's my fault. This is a safe place. It's fine. This is a safe place, and we love you. We're happy to let you speak, just at your leisure. You know, you just say what you need to say. And just know that we love you. Yeah, we're here accepting, giving you space <laughs> to express yourself. Yeah, we're yourself. giving you space to express yourself. <laughs> we're listening to you. <laughs> we're your sounding board, yeah. right? We're so all friends you just here. say all the things you need to say, buddy. Just get it out. Just Yeah, call, get it out there. You know, just, just, just. <laughs> this is like being murdered with blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I didn't realize I knew how I wanted to go, but... <laughs> Death by Snoo Snoo. <laughs> so, do, do we actually care about what I was going to say, or is the moment over? Yeah, go ahead. So, if you are going to moor yourself to a time, if public knowledge of that time falls out of, well, public knowledge or common understanding, you might also want to add in how your characters feel about said riots so people who don't know what the Berkeley riots are can still get some information out of it regardless. Yeah, I get what you mean. But also, it's probably more important to establish the characters yeah. of your novel than the setting in mm -hmm. the very immediate opening. Like, you've, you've placed it in a position in time. You've done a, a fairly good job of shorthanding, this is where they are, this is the climate that they're in, this is mm -hmm. the world that we're going to be witnessing. Mm -hmm. These are those, these two characters, let's follow them for a moment. And then later, I mean, you can, I feel fairly certain that someone at some point will probably have a conversation about, boy, that craziness at the campus, blah, blah, blah. Right. I would hope so, anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the short explanation is just if you give your readers enough information that they can understand the story, then you don't need to bend over backwards adding historical context. More than that, I'm I'm concerned that uh, these guys just left a riot, mm -hmm. went to a McDonald's bathroom, and washed their eyes out, and now are having a tender moment of recognition yeah like that's just i i don't know call me crazy maybe there's something it is a psychedelic novel about a were ram shaman guy so <laughs> maybe there's something supernatural at work here that we just haven't been it might be like that they knew each other in a past life or something yeah yeah look i don't know about you guys but i've had plenty of tender moments in mcdonald's bathrooms i've had plenty of moments with tenders <laughs> <laughs> That was really good. <laughs> and joke of the episode goes to David. I'm just moving on. No, I, I think murdered by blowjobs, maybe. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, no. I think murdered by blowjobs pretty much wins the episode. 
uh, it's a competition. We gotta let the viewers decide. Popular vote. Put it out there. Everyone vote which is better. Put it on your Facebook. <laughs> Put it on your Twitter. Yeah. Answer in the comments. Send us a postcard. She smiled, willing <laughs> to give the riot gas credit. But her look left open the possibility that through their tears, something had been shared. Just make out already and get it over with. You'll find your way, she said. Sam shied from her gaze discomposed by the thought that the sorrow he'd imagined was a mirror of his own troubled state. She turned to put the towel in the trash, and he saw the underside of her breast through the armhole of her leather vest. Oh my god. Then she swung the door open and strode out. He got a little side boob action. Hey, you know. Hey, we just got out of this this violent, dangerous situation, but I'm totally gonna check your tits out. I can see now, and I see that you have tits. All right. And I'm gonna ogle them. You know, I went to the pharmacy the other day, and I passed a lady who wasn't wearing a bra, and it was just like, oh, she's not wearing a bra. And then I moved on, and I didn't have, like, a sexual moment of, like, ooh. Yeah, don't ogle strangers. It's it's rude and gross. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes people don't wear clothing. And it's not a message. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really. Sometimes you'll see parts of people's bodies. Or sometimes the message is bras are uncomfortable. Stop gawking, Mm -hmm. you creepy fuck. Right. Think about how much it would suck to have to wear a piece of fabric tightly banded around your chest for, Mm -hmm. you know, 8 to 12 to 14 to 16 hours out of any given day. Yeah. The presence or absence of clothing is not an invitation to your eyeballs. This is a wild tangent. Should we read the book? <laughs> I mean, do we have to? I kind of would much rather talk about this. This is way more interesting than this book. <laughs> I don't mean to be mean to the author. No, be mean. Right? This is a self-published book. I'm happy that they're taking the leap. You know how many books I've written? Less than him. Yeah. Less than this person. Right. But I will say that having a discussion about whether or not it's okay to look at someone versus is it okay to just openly gawk at someone right yeah yeah that's i mean sometimes you can't help it like in this instance it doesn't say that he stared he turned she turned and he witnessed part of her yes the author took the time to point that out to us which is weird in and of itself see that's the thing it doesn't feel like a moment in the book i'm not learning anything about the characters by the author writing it down it feels like i'm watching a scene play out and the author puts everything on pause jumps in and like moves the scene around so Mm -hmm. the camera focuses on her boob and then jumps back out i don't know what do you learn about this character both of these characters from this moment from this like two lines Okay, from this moment, I'm learning contradictory pieces of information, because it sounds like that they had some kind of ethereal, unspoken connection, Mm -hmm. which hints at something beyond the physical, and then we jump immediately to just a physical observation. So I, I got two different data points that have seemingly very little relevance to each other, so I'm not sure which one to throw out, keep... Do they both relate? I don't know. It's just kind of clunky. See, to me, and uh, it may not be the best handled ever, but to me, it seems like now we're uh, we're getting a moment where, okay, we've had this connection as odd as it is. You know, they they met in chaos and conflict and 
had a moment where they came to see one another and shared a, at least in the narrator main character's mind, moment of connection. Mm -hmm. We're also establishing that he is physically attracted to her because Mm -hmm. he notices this and we take the time to note that he notices this. But also that she's the sort of person in 1969 who is wearing a leather vest without a bra, which says things about her as a Mm -hmm. person. So I don't know. It's not necessarily creepy. We've spent way more time talking about it than we probably needed to or should have. But it is, again, a nice way to briefly kind of give jumping forward of characterization, hopefully. It's hard to say in the first chapter, you know? Yeah. You know what it could be is that because you may mention of the leather vest and that had relevance to you, it could just be that I'm so far removed from this culture that I, I'm missing. I don't have the, the proper background. It just means she's a hippie. Yeah. Just means she was a hippie, you know, or flower child sort of thing. Anyway, let's move on. Word. He turned to put the towel in the trash and he saw the underside of her breast through the armhole of her leather vest. Then she swung the door open and strode out. He followed. She moved through the burger joint with a jaunty stride, confidence mixed with animal posturing, but it was the buoyancy of childhood in her gait that spoke loudest to him. He felt boyish himself. She paused on the sidewalk, looking across the street as if she was unaware he was still behind her. He saw her frame clearly now, narrow-waisted and curvy, her sleek calves and thighs cased in chocolate tights. (sighs) Traffic was frozen. Drivers Wait, watching the students. Why would you wear chocolate tights? Yeah, that chocolate just sounds color. melty. It just yeah it seems yeah. super melty. It seems yeah. like it'd be sticky. Now, yeah. see, see, it's a counter tactic to. It's like a hippie Joan of Arc because you get you get hit with a tear gas right, and the mucus starts running down your body, starts you know melting away. The chocolate inspires the troops morale. You see what I'm saying? No. What the fuck are you babbling about? No. no exactly no moving on none of that makes sense really it's once again this comes up a lot and i don't know they they tell you one of the things that i've encountered multiple times in like writing advice is not to spend too much time describing your main character Mm -hmm. you'll often see in books there's a scene where like the protagonist of the book will stop and he'll look at himself in a mirror or herself in the mirror and you'll have a moment of they examined their green eyes and right. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's just stupid. Yeah. Like that's just bad writing. Just period. Don't do mirror scenes. Mm-hmm. Unless green eyes weirdly ties into your plot. In some, yeah. If it's yeah. make the character's physicality relevant in some way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like in the gunslinger novels, the Dark Tower novels, how Roland was described as having pale blue eyes constantly. Yeah, that's like for an aesthetic purpose. Right, right. right. And to make him look like Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my, my point on this was that we now know a whole lot about what this girl, who doesn't even have a name yet, mm-hmm. looks like. We know that she's blonde, 5'6", has bangs that kind of come down to her chin in points and hair that's probably pulled back in a ponytail. Uh She's wearing a leather vest, chocolate tights. She's an attractive person. We know he's six foot tall. Yeah. And that page real estate, what it put a stop to the actual movement forward of the plot to give us that information. Yep. Personal information about the protagonist, what they look like and all that. It may not even be, 
at all important. Like we got through <laughs> Fight Club without knowing a person's name. Right. Yeah. It, it's yeah. honestly better to give your audience just enough information to visualize the character for themselves than to tell them exactly what the character looks like a lot of the time. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, all right. That's about enough of that bullshit. We're going to stop for now. Come back to this next time. Don't forget to do all the things. Go to wegiveyoubrainworms.com. You can support us on Patreon if you like what we're doing. You could also join our Funky Fresh Discord and tell us directly what you think of what This has doing. been a production of Brainworms Podcast. Like, Any copyrighted content contained within is used for purposes of review. Really Brainworms Podcast Thank is David Holmes, Kane Magdalene, Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. The theme music is HodgePod Number 1 by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, you can support us and learn about our other projects at WeGiveYouBrainworms.com or by leaving a review on your favorite listing app. comes Pete. He's a meat birdie. Meat birdie. Birdie of meat. Fuck the police.